have some morning advice. If you think things suck, if the world is sucking, if everything sucks around you, if you feel that things are bad, if you feel that things are horrible, if you feel like you just can't take it anymore, just remember this. You will be dead soon. It'll all be over soon. Yep, so don't worry. Hi, this is Z. I have lived in two very racist areas. One in Mississippi, and then as an adult in Hawaii. And this is Hawaii pre-9-11. So, yes, there were two different kinds of racism. Uh, racism against white people and then racism against colored people. And I had the joy of experiencing both of those. And let me tell you, it was a lot more difficult, maybe it's because I'm adult at this point, but it was a lot more difficult to be a colored person witnessing racism against a white person. The reason being is I'm a person of color and I am not a racist. And so it's a very awkward position to be in. And whereas the tourist gets to turn around and go home, I actually have to take this bus every day. After 9-11 here in Hawaii, the uh, racism against white folks, howlies, <laughs> uh, sort of died down a bit. However, I have to say I preferred the racism of the South. Let me explain why. In the South, you will hear a statement like, you don't belong in these parts, boy. Or, hey, coloreds or niggers ain't allowed in these parts. Now, this on the onset sounds pretty horrible. But, you know, to me, this sounds like information, advice. Now, on the whole, racism in America is not accepted. And it should be this way. We need to embrace the progress that we've made. A person of color no longer needs to be afraid of speaking out against racism. Violence is a criminal act and should be dealt with accordingly. Physical violence. Verbal violence is bullshit. There is no such thing. Violence reveals ignorance on either side. Lack of education on either side. In martial arts, I always like to say, if you are fighting, you've already lost. Now it's just a matter of mitigation, of injury or death. Again, it's the suppression of the thing that gives it its power. It's just how nature works. And once again, we can look towards science for the answers. And the words of my good friend Philip Penna, we all suffer. The common wisdom is love everyone. I say we should all hate everyone equally.
And don't let your hate drive you to criminal acts. Almost everything I talk about on this show has to do with physical and emotional control. I have tried to explain the importance of this, the value of physical and emotional control to our civilization. Please go back and listen to my other segments. Please join me in this conversation. Stop trying to find people that agree with you. Embrace the differences. Embrace the argument. Let's pinpoint our differences and try to understand each other. Exercise your empathy. Or at the very least, just call in and say, fuck you. But don't ignore me. Don't ignore me or anyone like me. Because that will be the greatest purveyor of violence. I've asked in a previous segment, what is worse than being disagreed with? My answer was to be believed. But Ronnie came up with an answer as well. And it's to be ignored. Integrity Radio. Hi, this is Z. You know, I've lived in the South during the 60s, nonetheless. And, uh, well, I might have a unique perspective on this. I feel that people need to be able to say what they feel. And I think people should be able to um, hear what other people feel without committing criminal acts but we really should in a free country be able to speak our mind regardless how right or wrong it is and people should be able to respond to that again without committing criminal acts all right i'm gonna speak out i'm gonna lash out right now if you don't want to hear me lash out you might want to just go ahead and swipe past this I have requested that anyone listening call in, anyone call in and give me a good fuck you. Not one of you fucks have given me a good fuck you or a fuck you. Nothing. What the fuck is wrong with you pansy ass complacent sons of bitches? Until you call in and give me a decent fuck you, I'm not going to blow any goddamn feathers or bubbles up your ass. You see, I'm going to take the hit. Because I want you to exercise your fuck you. And this is a safe place to exercise your fuck you. I'm not going to do anything to you. I just want to hear a good fuck you. Come on, fuck you. Fuck? I don't think you understand how important a good fuck you is. I think you're too goddamn thick-headed to understand the value of a good fuck you. This message brought to you by Integrity Radio. So I've come full circle, but with some improvements, with some upgrades. The focus, the future, artificial intelligence and virtual reality, and religion, and an extremely valid purpose and use 
for a religion. You know, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was heavily involved in virtual reality. I was actually uh, working along with uh, John Draper, also known as Captain Crunch, for a little while. It turned out Captain Crunch was bad news and uh, wasn't a good idea to associate with that guy. At least not at that point in time in his uh, life. <laughs> in fact, the virtual reality team that I had put together, NRG, was uh, most of them were hired by Sega. Sega then was kind enough to include my martial art, Wing Chun, uh, into their Street Fighter 2. And literally, my martial art, they modeled um, the movements of the character in uh, Street Fighter 2, I believe it was, um, after our students. And that is students from U.S. Wing Chun, run by Grandmaster Chris Chan. I'm not going to talk about the future right now, but I will talk about religion. Now, here's where I am not in checkmate. If I were to be a religion basher, then yeah, you could probably put me right in checkmate, but this is not what I do. I simply state that if you believe or have faith, then there is no argument. But if you make a claim, then this claim has to have proof. So the religious need to just watch their language. Just like in racism and nowadays it's not proper to say nigger or use, you know, other kinds of racial slurs. Nor should the religious be hijacking the words of science. And indeed, I can now see the place of philosophy. And in this particular case, religion. All right, I am out of check, and here's why. And I have perhaps put my opponents in check at this point. And I do so by saying a single word, or maybe it's two words actually, neuroplasticity. With the advances of medical science, we can now control this thing called neuroplasticity. If we have the option of elevating the intelligence of all human beings, don't you think we should take that option? I mean, seriously, if you're going to talk about things being that advanced, then we would certainly have the option using nanotechnology or or, or drugs that affect the neurosystem. I mean, seriously, if we can program a machine, then we can certainly fix the human. So whereas philosophy and religion may be serving that purpose now as a form of virtual reality, I'm still going to have to contend that these are outdated modes of intellectualism. There is an acute distinction between EQ and IQ, or at least that's what I'm reading from the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book right now. It says that IQ is something that you are born with. It's something that you, um, you know, it's just what you are, you know, like you supposedly you can't raise your IQ. 
Do you know anything about this, honey? I don't believe you can raise your IQ. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so, um, but EQ is altogether different. You can actually raise your EQ. And if you don't know what I mean by EQ, I mean emotional intelligence. IQ is intellectual intelligence and emotional intelligence. I think the Q stands for quota, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Quotient. Quotient. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe with babies and toddlers, small children, you can, you can raise their IQ. Uh, that would have to be a belief, wouldn't it? Because yeah, their brains are still developing. Yeah. Yes, that's a belief. But, yeah. of course, you know, many different things that you read about breastfeeding will say if you breastfeed your child or, you know, breastfeeding versus non-breastfeeding, there's different various opinions that if you do, your child's IQ will be higher. Yeah. But again, that's more of a belief. In yeah, not, well, yeah. it'd be interesting to see what studies have been done on that. Yeah. It's worth looking at. All right, but to, in order to finish my thought on this, uh, IQ, something that you're born with. EQ, something that you're born with, but you can, um, you can improve it. Yes. The book also states that um, for businesses, they are finding that people with high EQs and not high IQs are their greatest assets. Okay, so cut to the chase. What am I trying to say here? That EQ can be increased, whereas IQ cannot. However, like you were saying, knowledge. Yeah, well, IQ is just... IQ is just a measure of potential. IQ is not a measure of the knowledge that you hold or, or the things that you have learned. That's, that's the, IQ is a measure of the potential of what you could, could theoretically learn, the amount that you could hold in your brain, maybe. But it doesn't mean that you can't increase your knowledge. Your knowledge can always be increased. Right. Thanks to neuroplasticity, we actually know this to be true scientifically. So I don't know. I don't know if this is very easy to follow. It's it's been hard to even record this segment. This is how the day will be. It's all just all day exists now. Of course. All right, I got it. Emotional intelligence 2.0 says when emotional intelligence was first discovered, it served as the missing link in a peculiar finding. People with the highest levels of intelligence IQ outperform those with average IQs just 20% of the time, while people with average IQs outperform those with high IQs 70% of the time. This anomaly threw a massive wrench into what many people had always assumed was the source of success, IQ. So with this information and future technologies, 
we could certainly do away with the concept of useless people. This is huge. This is information that can help us now and that can help us into our future. I think we truly can deal with our emotions creatively and employ our intelligence in a beneficial way. Hey everybody, Z in the house, so is Rob, Tarrant, Bill T, Ronnie, and me. And um, one of my students, the wonderful and fabulous uh, Jonathan, Sifu Jonathan, as we now refer to him, he sent me a poem. And, um, well, in classic fashion, he didn't send me the, uh, title. the source, yeah. <laughs> the title, but I did recognize it um, immediately. It's the Primal Simplicity uh, poem from Lao Tzu, from uh, the 82 or 81? I think it's 82 poems of Lao Tzu. I always forget. 81 or 82. I didn't mesmerize him. But I did read the uh, Tao Te Ching to a great extent. There's many translations of it. But um, I'd like to read you the poem that he sent. And this is the poem 37, titled The Primal Simplicity. And the person of superior integrity does not insist upon his integrity. For this reason, he has integrity. The person of inferior integrity never loses sight of his integrity. For this reason, he lacks integrity. The person of superior integrity takes no action, nor has he a purpose for acting. The person of superior humaneness takes action, but has no purpose for acting. The, the person of superior righteousness takes action, has a purpose for acting. The person of superior etiquette takes action, but others do not respond to him, whereupon he rolls up his sleeves and coerces them. Therefore, when the way is lost, afterwards comes integrity. When integrity is lost, afterward comes humaneness. When, you, when humaneness is lost, afterwards comes righteousness. When righteousness is lost, afterward comes etiquette. I really enjoyed uh, reading these things back when I was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of, I don't know if you would agree with this, but it's kind of circular, right? It is very circular. Yeah. Yeah. Take it all in right at the moment. Yeah, and, and there's a lot there, you know. I mean, like Randy would used to say to me, "There's a lot there." <laughs> yeah. Right? Say, he still says that. Yeah, he sure does. Um, now, maybe, and just maybe, and hopefully, this is Johnny—the closest thing that Johnny can can do to say "fuck you." Like maybe this is Johnny's "fuck you." I've asked everybody to give me a good fuck you, but none have. Now, you're too young. You're not allowed to. Alright? 18 and over, please. <laughs> like right here, the person of inferior integrity never loses, never loses sight of his integrity. For this reason, he lacks integrity. 
Well, I mean, I can't take that personally, even if he meant it to, to imply to me, which I doubt. But uh, if he did, which would be cool, because that would be sort of like at least a, an almost a fuck you. But I'm not the embodiment of integrity. Uh, I just try to understand it and get as much of it and spread as much of it around as possible. You're trying to get other people to see it in themselves. Yes, see integrity within yourself. Yeah. So, um, anyway, thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Sifu Jonathan, for uh, for sharing that poem. <laughs> so, where are we at now, right, guys? What's this place called? Twin Falls. Is that what this is, Twin Falls? Yeah, we're in Twin Falls in Maui right now, and uh, Bill T and Terrence. And uh, Rob, we're just swimming in the water, swimming under the waterfall, being adventurers. I, I ain't getting in that water. Uh-uh. That's some... Yeah, I'm totally scared. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just hope you guys live through the experience, that's all. Yeah. Well, it's quite beautiful. Um, I'll probably put some pictures up. So uh, it's not in this title description. Look for it in the future segment. Got anything to say about this situation, Terrence? Um, Rob's too afraid to get in the water. Oh, man. Rob, how you want? You want to rebuttal that? No, I'm just bored. Yeah, Rob says he's just bored. Yeah, I'm afraid he's bored and these two guys are brave. That, that's what they all say. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Sibling rival rivalry. It's rough. Sibling. Is that what I said? Oh. Ronnie's going in. She's going in. <laughs> Hey, listen, somebody's got to be able to drive you guys to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Joe can't drive, so. <laughs> as soon as those guys get in, I'll take a picture so the world can see their bravery. Someone should benefit from our cowardice. My cowardice. Your boredom. Boredom, yes, yes. <laughs> or lack of excitement. Lack of excitement. Well, you've been here before too many times, right? Yeah, twice. Twice, yeah. And it's not really pumping very hard right now either, is it? Yeah. yeah. That's what your mom says. Usually there's people like all along the line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, you're wondering what's going on. This is part of the virtual Maui experience. Yeah. Uh oh, Ronnie might be 
might be backing out. He says it's very cold. Sounds like someone's coming with some nice rapish sort of music for us to listen to. At some point, yeah, I mean, you know, it's very dangerous to uh, swim under waterfalls, but I don't know. You only live once or so. <laughs> You only live once until a rock hits you in the head and turns into a vegetable. That's what I always say. <laughs> All right, well, that's the Twin Falls experience here in Maui. We'll see you on the other side. Integrity Radio. You're listening to Integrity Radio. Learn self-correction at www.sifuzi.com. Listen to original music at soundcloud.com slash music for dogs. You can also follow Sifu underscore Z on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash sifu underscore z. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more here on Integrity Radio. Save the date, Psycon is returning to Las Vegas for 2017. Today, you turned on your computer or your phone and Facebook told you that vaccines are an evil government plot Twitter told you the sun is revolving around a flat earth, and the House Science Committee told you that climate change is nothing to worry about. Meanwhile, up is down, true is false, Oceania has always been at war with East Asia, and dogs and cats may in fact be living together. Enough already. It's time once again for the forces of reason and science to come together time for critical thinkers to connect, learn from each other, and sharpen their skills. Time for the leading lights of skepticism to share their wisdom and rally the troops. It's time for PsyCon 2017, back in Las Vegas. October the 26th to the 29th, join luminaries such as James the Amazing Randy, Richard Dawkins, Eugenie Scott, the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, Susan Gerbeck, Harriet Hall, Richard Wiseman, Carrie Poppy, Joe Nickel, and many, many more. The Master of Ceremonies is none other than George Harab. For the biggest Skeptic's event of the year, returning triumphantly to the Excalibur Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, the City of Illusions, PsyCon 2017 will be packed with fascinating talks and presentations, dazzling entertainment, and fun social events with fellow skeptics. 
This October, get away from fake news and conspiracy theories filling up your news feeds at Cyclone 2017, your alternative to alternative facts. For more information, visit www.csiconference.org. Unfiltered Radio, this is Z. You called to make a statement that there is a God. Now, if you were to call my station and say, I believe in God and I put my faith in God, there would be no argument. I would fight for your right to believe. But when you make a statement that there is a God, and then offer no proof, then all you're being is an authoritative asshole. And I use the term asshole very respectfully. If you listen to today's show carefully, my children will explain this to you very succinctly. A wise believer doesn't claim to have proof, only faith. The spiritual camp does not get to steal the words and the meanings of the scientific camp. You don't get away with not studying quantum physics and mathematics and then connect the findings of those sciences to your philosophy of God. You don't just get to say the word theory and the word just. There is no such thing as just a theory. Theories are facts. God is not a fact, nor is God a theory. God is a hypothesis and an idea. And if you have faith and belief in that idea, there is no argument. It might be a bad idea, but your belief and faith in that idea cannot be argued. No more than I can argue with you if you liked chocolate ice cream, when we all know that vanilla ice cream is better. So I'll ask you the question that my dad always asks, which God? I'll ask you the first cause argument, who created God? And of course, my favorite retort, your assumption that I don't believe in God may be flawed. I didn't say I didn't believe in the existence of God. All I'm saying is I don't believe in her. Now, if you actually have some sort of proof, I would love to hear it. But if you have no proof, you'll have to huddle with all the others that believe and have faith and trust in the same thing that you have. Revel in that because the frustration of running around and simply stating that something exists without any evidence is much like the little boy who cries wolf. You're not saying anything that's true 
and you're not saying anything that's helpful. I feel like this self-disenfranchisement is fatal to society, to civilization. That's why I'm posting this segment. I think it's important. Yes, you can blow this off as the same old drivel. But I, I agree with Randy that I think people mean well. We have to help them to accomplish their goal. Working hard to understand is the key. I'm not criticizing your belief. I'm criticizing your understanding and your ability to understand. Recognizing the flaws in your thinking are vital. You have to acknowledge the problem before you can fix the problem, before you can improve, before you can move on, before you can progress. And if you really love God, then for God's sake, come up with a better argument for the existence and proof of God. This is what I would call a dangerous waste of time. If I don't understand you, I'm going to hell, right? Well, I contend if you don't understand me that every man, woman, and child is going to get wiped off the face of the planet. Integrity Radio. I wanted you. And I was looking for you. But I couldn't find you. I wanted you. And I was looking for you all day. But I couldn't find you. I couldn't find you. You're walking. And you don't always realize it. But you're always falling. With each step. You fall forward slightly and then catch yourself from falling over and over you're falling and then catching yourself from falling and this is how you can be walking and falling at the same time. structures in the world, they all ought to be challenged. Very few of them can resist that challenge. They survive mainly because they're not challenged. Uh, they're not really very strong. 
They look strong. But uh, there's a point that was made by David Hume a couple hundred years ago, which is worth bearing in mind. Uh, he raised a kind of paradox of power. He said, how, do, how, how does power sustain itself? He said, if you think about it, power is always in the hands of the people who are oppressed. It's in the hands of the governed. They really have power. Uh, and he says this is true of the most uh, oppressive society, what we would call totalitarian society, as of the most free. Power is in the hands of the governed, so how come they submit themselves to the authority of others? He said, well, force is an element, but he said the real element is opinion. Uh, you have to control their opinion. Of course, he was in favor of it. You know, he's a Tory. So he says, well, what you have to do is make sure you control the opinion of the people, uh, meaning make them believe, you know, make them uh, saturate their minds with uh, uh, ideology, carry out what we call propaganda. We didn't have the term in those days. Uh, and uh, control their opinion, and you got them. Uh, that means you, you change their aspirations, you restrict their aspirations to personal things, to commodities, to uh, break down the natural bonds among people, force them to forget what they understand, you know, that they basically want freedom and independence and justice and so on. Every child understands that, so you have to work really hard to drive it out of their heads. And if you can drive it out of their heads and you control their opinion, then they'll submit. You know, and they'll submit whether you're a, a, a brutal state or a more free society. In fact, it's more important in the free societies. In the 20th century, when it be, you know, in Hume's day, there wasn't much difference. Every society was absolutist. But as the societies differentiated over the years with popular struggles and you know, winning the franchise and so on and so forth, uh, the difference between the freer societies and the more you know, like totalitarian or command societies became clearer, and a point was began to be understood that Hume didn't talk about, and that is that control of opinion is much more important in the free societies. So, like in say Soviet Russia, they didn't really care much what people thought. A Franco-Spain, let's say, you know, fascist state, uh, people read much more broadly and widely than they do in the United States. I mean, like say, I mean, it's true, in fact. You know, you could you go to a Marxist bookstore, you know. I mean, if you got out of line too much, okay, they send you to the torture chamber in downtown Madrid. But uh, the uh, since there were techniques of control just by force, there was not much, you know, wasn't much concern about what people thought. It's sort of believe what you like, we'll beat you over the head with a bludgeon, you know. When you get to the freer societies, there's a lot more concern with what people think. And that has been understood. Uh, that's part of the reason for the rise of the public relations industry in the United States. Public relations industry is a propaganda agency of business, which was, it's an American creation. You know, it was created in the early part of the century to try to, as they put it then, to control people's minds. Uh, and that's, you know, I don't know if they read Hume, but you know, it's not a deep point. Anybody can understand it without reading Hume. Uh, they understood that unless you control people's minds, we're gonna be in trouble. Uh, people's mind, you know, the, the what's, what was called in the business press, the greatest hazard facing industrialists is the rising political power of the masses. I'm quoting. I mean, you recognize that the business press is very Marxist, super Marxist. I mean, all the values are inverted, you know, but they believe in class struggle. They talk about the masses, you know, and beating down the masses and all that sort of thing. In fact, business press reads kind of like malice tracts little red books and things, just with all the values reversed. 
And they understood that you've got to control people's opinion because, as Hume put it, power is in the hands of the governed if they ever realize it. And if they realize it and they try to recognize what their own values are and pursue them, we're really going to be in trouble because there's not going to be any way to control people. Oh, Ronnie's here next to me at work, mm -hmm. working like a woman. <laughs> Telling all kinds of people their credit cards are failing. <laughs> Seems to be the biggest part of the job. <laughs> well, let's say goodnight to our anchor friends. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Integrity. Radio.